Last month was a particularly uh, difficult month for me. A number of things happened. Uh, it started when I got really, really sick one night. I mean, I was as sick as I have ever been. Uh, my wife thinks I had a really bad case of flu, but I think it was actually food poisoning from something I ate that I had fixed myself. Kind of some old, old burgers that I found frozen in the freezer, or it could have been these green beans that were in a, a dented can. They say never eat green beans or anything out of a dented can. I don't know what it was, but I was so sick that in about six hours, I lost four pounds. And for the next three days, my wife said to me, you should really go to the hospital with this. And I would have if I hadn't felt like I was getting better. I mean, I didn't want to go anyway, but I was kind of like, if I, if, you know, if I die, I die. But it, it wasn't a good start to the month. And then a, a second thing happened. I, I injured my back somehow. My back's always been kind of an issue, but it hurt as bad as it has for a long, long time. I suspect what happened is it was my sickness that caused me to throw out my back. In either case, I was in pain for a couple weeks. I had an MRI done, found out I have all kinds of things. There are about five things wrong down there. We don't know which one was causing the pain. Thankfully, it's gotten better since then, but it was just a painful couple of weeks. But the hardest thing that happened for me was that we had to put our dog Toby to sleep. Right after we had posted this picture online of me holding the dog, we were at our cabin, and um, all of a sudden she made this weird crying sound, a moaning. I'd never heard a noise like that come out of her mouth. Her little legs curled up, and we thought she was having maybe a heart attack or some kind of an epileptic thing, and so we rushed her to the vet. And the vet took an x-ray of her and found out that she had a tumor that had ruptured. And uh, the, the, the only thing they could do was put her to sleep. And we couldn't believe it. You don't go into the vet thinking that you're not going to be coming home with your pet. I, I, I wept over that more than, in fact, I don't even want to get into it because I'll lose it again. Those of you that have a dog know they can be kind of like part of a family. Why does God allow us to go through pain and suffering and trials of all the different kinds. Because all of us experience things like this. It's just part of life, but why, why do we have to go through this? And what do you do when you face it? Now, what I tend to do is, first of all, insulate myself against it. I, I try to wear like the, the bubble wrap around me when I'm going into the world. I, I'm going to protect myself from anything that can harm me. Sometimes it's even like a relationship or something, but you wrap that bubble wrap around you. You do not want to let anything get close to you that might hurt you again if you've been hurt before, and we do everything we can to avoid pain, but sometimes it hits us anyway. And when that happens for me, what I often do is, first of all, and I'm serious about this, I do pray about it. Uh, I do what Paul did. Lord, take it away. Please take it away. I don't want to feel the pain anymore. Take it away. The other thing I do, and others, everyone does probably, is to some degree anesthetize it. You know, take medicine for the stomach. Take something for the back, you know. Uh, in, the, in terms of our, our Toby, stay busy. You know, don't think about it. Occupy yourself with other things. But we do anything to not face pain, not face suffering squarely. But is there an, another approach? Is there a better approach? 
Is it possible that there are things that we can learn and grow through the things we suffer? And I think the answer, of course, to that is yes. Today we're going to continue our series titled Balance. The first week of the series I talked about trying to set aside a day of rest. Even God, after he created everything in six days, it says on the seventh day he rested. Of course, the word rested there means to cease from labor, but it's, it's amazing to me that even God set this up all the way back in creation, and then it became part of the Old Testament law, but we're not under the law anymore, and so we work, we work, we work, we work, and we are killing ourselves, but what if we could have one day where we don't work, where we just enjoy God, enjoy thinking ahead to the future, a, a day in which we can rest, a real wonderful day of refreshment, I think it can change your life. My wife and I started doing that about three years ago. I say no to a lot of things on my Sabbath day. And then Kevin talked about the fact that we need margins in our day, throughout the day, that we just fill up our days with things, and then a new thing comes along, and it, it knocks us off balance. We don't have room, and what if we started including more margin there? I think we'd be happier people. We'd be more joyful we can make more room to even connect with our creator during the day if, if we didn't fill up every single moment with things that we have to do. Third week of the series, I talked about one way in which I think that we can help with the first two weeks. In other words, get some kind of margin in our lives. It's two things I suggested. Number one is that we need to start doing what God says is important and avoid things that are not things we should be doing that use a lot of time and make our lives miserable. There are a lot of things we give ourselves to. God is not interested in saying no to all the fun things. There are things, though, that God says, this isn't good and this isn't good, and there are things that destroy our lives. And he says, these things are life-giving activities. These are life-taking activities. Don't involve yourself with those things. But the second thing I suggested is that we learn to say yes and no to things based on how God wired us to be. As we discover who we are and what we're good at and what we're not good at, we begin saying yes to the right things, but we begin to say, you know, that's not my thing. That's not what I'm good at, and that begins to create some kind of margin within our lives as we begin to say yes to the right things and no to the others. But today I want to talk about the subject of pain as being something that knocks us off balance. We're going through our lives, something happens, and we find ourselves in a tailspin. We find ourselves knocked off balance. And I think part of the reason that happens to us is that we have really bad theology when it comes to the subject of pain, suffering, and trials. What that means for some of us is that we have this idea that, that bad things don't happen to Christians. We just think in our minds that, that we're not supposed to go through trials or difficulties, even though Jesus said, in this world you will have trials and tribulation. And even though if you look in the pages of the Bible, you see all these godly individuals that went through a lot of horrible things. It wasn't a reflection of, of whether they were good or bad or anything. It was just they went through hard things. The other thing about our bad theology, besides thinking it shouldn't happen to us, is interpreting every good event as God's blessing and every bad event as God's harming or whatever. Like, the, like it's based on what we do in life. There's some that, that interpret their whole day in terms of if something good happening to me, it must mean that God is really pleased with what I'm doing. 
When bad things happen to us, we think, well, I must be doing something wrong. I wonder what it is. And they're always interpreting how they're even doing with God based on their circumstances. That is not how I believe God operates at all. There's little correlation between the things you do and God's blessing on your life. He blesses you when you don't deserve it. He blesses it you maybe when you do. And there's usually not a correlation in the bad things that happen to us either, except we live in a broken world. Now, I'm not denying the fact that sometimes God disciplines his children, but from my perspective, he only does that when we're rebellious, when we continue in a, a way that's not good, then he gets our attention. But if you're not aware of things, stop interpreting bad events as God's mad at you or something like that. It's just not good theology. There's another way, though, to view it, and, and I think that suffering and pain can have positive aspects, some benefits to pain I want to talk about here today. My main takeaway is that pain serves a purpose. Whatever you go through, whatever suffering, pain serves a purpose. But I want to look at four particular purposes this morning that are brought about as a result of the things that we suffer. The first one is this, that pain can keep us humble so we'll rely upon God. The suffering we endure, the trials, the pain we go through, it keeps us or helps us become more humble so that we'll turn to God. And as Paul discovered, so it's so that God also can work through us because God really can't work through those who are proud as easily as he can with those who are humble. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul wrote about what he called a thorn in the flesh. It was a physical ailment. In his case, it was caused by a spiritual being. It was demonic in origin. Most sickness, most pain, most suffering, I don't think is directly caused by a demonic intervention. But there are some cases in the Bible where that was the case. For example, Job in the Old Testament, Satan said, can I afflict him? And God gave permission in order to test Job, in order to teach Job certain things. And the same thing was true of Paul. Paul learned some great lessons through what he suffered. In 2 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 7, in the middle of the verse, we read, Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to torment me, so that I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take it from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness, Therefore, Paul writes, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, catastrophes, persecutions, and in pressures because of Christ. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That's an amazing statement. He says, I, I now take pleasure in it. What a different way to view pain, a different way. Therefore, I take Pleasure in suffering and, and persecutions and all the things I'm going through, I take pleasure in it because I see there's some good in it. I see what the good is. That when I'm weak, when I'm broken, when I'm going through a hard time, his grace can shine through me. It, it, it can bring about a greater good if, if I'm going through these things. Three times Saul, or Paul prayed to remove this thing. It's encouraging to me that God said no in one sense because if I think of somebody who's like the, the Christian dude of all time, it's Paul. I mean, if you think who's the greatest Christian who ever lived, it was Paul, and yet Paul prayed three times, take it away, take it away, take it away. God said no to him. 
It just shows that, that again, it's, it's, God has reasons sometimes for the things that we're going through, and Paul understood that. Now, we don't know what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. A scholar by the name of D.K. Lowry says the, the things he went through range from incessant temptation, dogged opponents, chronic maladies such as ophthalmia, malaria, migraine headaches, and epilepsy to a disability in speech. No one can say for sure what it is. He didn't know what it was either except that he knew that God was going to bring good out of it. Good would come from this thing and, and God wants to bring out good in our lives. The encouraging thing to me, of course, is in the midst of it, still call out on Jesus. He knows what you're going through. In Hebrews 2.18, we read, for since he himself was tested and has suffered, he's able to help those who are tested. Another verse in Hebrews says he's able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses because he himself faced the same junk. He knows what it is to experience pain and hunger and sickness and being tired. He experienced it all. So when you come to him about your thing, he says, I know what you're talking going through and I encourage you to turn to him but pain can be good if it will humble us so he could do greater things through a second it provides an opportunity for us to connect with other people I think it's our weaknesses that cause us to be so united with one another it's not our strengths that endear people to us I mean, sometimes people are enamored by our strengths, but they don't draw us close to one another, but it's in our weaknesses and in our brokenness. This is a lesson that took me years to figure out because a lot of my talks used to emphasize where I'm succeeding so that people would think, oh, he must be perfect. Instead of emphasizing, I struggle with this too. We all struggle with this as well. We, we need to share our suffering. It, it causes us to jump in there for one another. And of course, Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. He said, praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God comforts you so you can comfort other people when they're going through an affliction. This is really the best way to do it. The word affliction here, by the way, is a word that means to press heavily upon you when you go through an affliction, when you go through something that's pressing heavily upon you. God comforts you so you can comfort other people. Now, again, I, th I think we all know that this is how this thing works. Because if any of you had somebody come up to you when you shared something that was really difficult for you and they said, I know what you're going through, but they didn't. They'd never been through it themselves. So you don't know what I'm going through. Kind of makes you mad. My mother passed away about 23 years ago. So when you come up to me and say, my mother passed away, I know, I, know, I understand. And people can relate to us and it connects us to one another. And this is, of course, what God wants to happen. In Romans 12, 15, Paul wrote, Rejoice with those who rejoice, but weep with those who weep. And so pain can keep us humble so that we'll turn to God and so he can use us in greater ways. Second, it provides an opportunity for us to connect. But third, it, it can make us stronger, partly by pointing to areas in our lives where we need to grow. If I am suffering with the pain of bad drivers... It's my problem, really. You know, if it's a pain to me, 
other drivers, it's, it's, it's pointing to a, a need in my life, like patience. You need more patience. That's what pain tends to do. Points to areas where we can grow stronger, where we many times need. Have you ever wondered why God gave us pain? Why, why on earth did he make pain something that we have to endure? Well, it's to point to other things. I would not have known my, my dog was sick if it weren't for the pain. I wouldn't have known it. It, it, it points to something else, but many times it does, again, make us stronger. But if we don't experience pain, we can't grow in some of those areas, and we, it can hurt us. A few weeks ago, I read the story of this woman named Joe Cameron. Here is her picture. Many of you, I'm sure, read the same story. 65 years old, just found out, just found out that she has a rare condition where she has the inability to feel pain. She's one of two people in the world that have that condition. They cannot feel pain. Something I didn't realize about this condition, though, that was kind of interesting to me, is that the pain that she can't feel isn't just physical. She has never been afraid. She has never felt anxiety. She can't feel pain of any kind. Talk about someone, by the way, that couldn't sympathize. Maybe she can, but I, I, I don't know how you could if you, haven't, if you haven't experienced it. It's hard to enter into someone's world if you've never experienced it yourself. But here's the problem. You say, that, that sounds great. I wish I didn't have any pain anymore. Life would be so much better. Yes, until... She said, I, I don't know I'm burning my arm in the oven until I smell the flesh. That's what keeps happening. It's happened to her many times. She's reaching in the oven. She doesn't realize her hand is against it. And it's burning her. She's, she's getting hurt because she doesn't know about the pain. God gave us pain to say there's something that needs to be worked on or addressed here. It's pointing to something else. But it can also help us grow in, in certain areas in terms of endurance and in, in terms of Christian character. James and James 1 wrote, Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must do its complete work so you may be mature, complete, lacking in nothing. Go the distance with pain. Again, I think we go to avoid it all we can. We don't stop and say, what is it? What is it about pain? What is it revealing in my life? And as we persevere in it, we grow stronger. Now it hurts. They say, for example, that you don't get muscles unless you, you work your muscles until it hurts and then it tears the muscles. The reason you get bigger muscles is that it's because of the damage. Doesn't sound very good, but it's the pain that causes the growth. They say trees that are never exposed to the wind, the first time they get a big storm, they topple right over. They've been protected all this time, and then all of a sudden a big wind comes, they get uprooted with nothing. But if you've been through a lot, and you've endured, you're stronger, you grow in character, it, it, it makes, makes you a better, stronger person. You're not so easily blown about, and that's what I think James is talking about here. And so it can make us stronger, partly by revealing, again, the areas. The, the, the thing is a pain to you oftentimes because of some area that needs to be fixed, but also I think it causes us to grow and endure if we'll let it do the finished work. So it makes us stronger. And finally, pain, I think, has the effect of reminding us this is not our home. In that sense, I think pain is 
a good thing. John, one of Jesus' closest friends, talked about the fact that we should not be overly attached to this world. He said, don't love the world or the things of the world because if you love the world, the love of the Father's not in you. And so we live in this world and we love this world, but then we begin to experience a little bit of pain and suffering and we say, you know, I'm glad this isn't all there is. We begin to look beyond and, and we see that there's an, another world coming. If you know Jesus Christ, this is not the end. And good is coming, but we tend to hold on to this world and we absolutely love this world. And sometimes it takes some of these things to remind us this is not our home. As Paul wrote in the book of Philippians, he said, your citizenship is not in heaven, or it is in heaven, it's not on this earth. Your citizenship is there. And of course, in a sense, we have a dual citizenship, but this is not the main deal right here, this world. Paul wrote in Romans chapter eight, he said, the spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we're God's children. God confirms that you're a child of God. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, seeing that we suffer with him, so we may be glorified with him. For I consider, he says, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now, but then he goes on to say, but it's not always gonna be like that. One day it's gonna be fixed. But I think we need sometimes some of these things to remind us it's, it's not about this world, it's not about this life. That there's something better for those who are believers in Christ. When my father became I got older and was getting close to where he was gonna pass away. He began to fall, he began to lose his ability to communicate effectively and understand things effectively. And we wanted our dad to never die. But when you watch a loved one begin to suffer, when you begin to see that the condition of their life is not very good, what does it do? It causes you to release a little bit every time, every month. We're releasing a little bit more, longing for the day when he would be in the presence of Christ. We were willing to let go. That's what pain and suffering does. It reminds us this is not the end. And we look forward to that day. So pain, let me summarize, serves a purpose. I think it serves the purpose of humbling us and causing us to turn to God, but also he can use us in greater ways. It provides an opportunity for us to connect with other people. Take advantage of that, by the way. Humbling yourself, we like to put our best foot forward. But I think we need to be honest about the things we're going through. They can make us stronger in the end. Reminds us that this is not our home. What I want to encourage you to do with this is that when you experience pain, of course, turn to God with it. He cares. He can, Christ sympathizes with your weakness. God can sympathize with all things you're going through. So do turn to him with pain. But I also encourage you to examine what maybe the, the purpose is. In the book of James, James said, if you lack understanding, ask me and I'll show you why you're going through the trial. And I think he wants to reveal things to us. It's also, though, an opportunity. Paul said, I want to boast in my weaknesses. God's glory comes through that when we're weak and he wants to use us in greater ways. But let it do the work, the good work that it could accomplish in our lives. Now, two things I want to close with. Number one, um, I want to mention this, that if, you're, if you've not put your trust in Jesus Christ, you don't have any of the promises I just mentioned. 
it doesn't apply to you. We need Jesus for any of this to be true. See, the believer in Jesus Christ who's put his trust in Christ knows there's a good. God causes all things to work together for good. We, we're aware that there's good in it if you know Christ. If you know Jesus, you know that there's a better future. All of these things we've talked about are possible through Jesus. And so if you've never come to a point where you acknowledge your sinfulness and your need for a Savior and reached out to Jesus as God's solution, I encourage you to do that. And if you want to know more about that, we have a little booklet we can offer you. You can get it at the information table or request it on the tariff panel. The last thing I want to mention is next week we are beginning a new series called The Story of Us, and it is the God story, and it's God's story of humanity, and we plan to go through the whole Bible during the summer and just touch on major themes that tie it all together and show God's eternal plan through the things that he's accomplished. So I encourage you to come back next week. Let's close in prayer. Father, we don't like pain. We certainly don't love it, and yet I think of what Paul said about it. He rejoices in it. He glories in it. James said the same thing. Consider a pure joy when you encounter various things. Lord, we are so grateful that we can see the good behind the bad. We're grateful for the work that it accomplishes in our lives, and I pray you give us the grace to remember these things as in the days ahead we will all be facing various challenges. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.